Hi, this is Kevin Long, and when I'm not having fun storming the castle, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but tonight we are not talking about my father's house. We are talking about my father's records. Um, that's right. This is a crossover episode. Um, as many podcasters, I'm on different Facebook groups that how to help promote and share podcasts. And my guest reached out to me and said, hey, Jesse, I think it would be fun for us to cross promote. So, Dan, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hello, everybody. Yeah, my name is Dan Bublitz. I am a stand-up comedian and a host of a couple different podcasts. Yeah, I am based I... out of South Dakota. Wow, very nice. Um, so I'm going to go the cliche. Is it cold there now? It absolutely is cold. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, we just got uh, we just got a blizzard yesterday and today, and it's hopefully it's going to start clearing up a little bit. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of schools and places around here were closed the last couple of days. So I see the cliche. So I'm going to kind of take us off on a tangent. Um, I guess for safety reasons, you really do have to have a kind of a of um, a, a backup of you know water and and canned food and and things just in case you know you lose because of the snow you can't get out for shopping or things like that. Correct? Oh yeah. It, well, I mean, I don't. I should, but yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, <that would laughs> I, I should be... have supplies, but I don't. That not not be... to that extent, but <laughs> that would be too logical, Jesse. Of course not. Um... Exactly. Exactly. And I've actually, I've had. Uh, there was a storm uh, several years ago. Now where we got like an ice storm, and it knocked down a ton of power lines. And I lived in a small town at the time, and. Uh, we were without power or heat for three or four days, and we couldn't leave either because there, there was that much snow and stuff on the roads that, you know, we were pretty much stranded, and we just pretty much had to rough it. <laughs> so you're looking like, oh, this can of, you know, yams that's been in my closet, you know, my pantry for three years maybe doesn't look too bad. <laughs> Yep, get the matches. We're going to heat this can up. <laughs> oh, um, uh, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, so tell me about your podcast you do. All right. So I actually have two podcasts, but my, the one that I've been kind of, it's just kind of my fun little project is this newest one that I've been doing called My Father's Records Podcast. And it's a music podcast where I'm listening, essentially, I'm just, I'm listening to my father's records. Uh, my dad has been uh, a big fan of music all his life, and he's collected records his entire life. And, I mean, he's probably got close to 2,000 vinyls. I mean, if I was to guess, I would definitely say 1,500 to 2,000 records. And I thought it would be a cool way to kind of get to know my dad through his music, I mean, he's still alive, and we, you know, we hang out or whatever. But growing up, we weren't necessarily a close family, so I just thought it would be a cool idea to to go through his records and kind of get to know him through his music. And when I go and get records from his collection, we have conversations and we talk, and and so it's just been a good project to kind of get to know him. And then the other, the flip side is it of it is that I. Just don't, I don't know a lot about music. I mean, I, I like music, and I know certain musicians and stuff, but in this podcast, I listen to the records, then I talk about the experience, and I also go and, and research the albums and get facts about them, and then that's kind of what I talk about on my podcast. So, um, There is so much to unpack there. 
I, I just that sounds oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, do first off, uh, one of the sports stations here in Dallas, um, the one of the hosts has been in bands his whole life. Uh, the producer is in current bands, and um, and then the third guy on the crew, um, you know, the co-host is a huge uh, fan of music. So often they'll talk music instead of sports. And um, this was several years ago. Um, they were calling and they were talking about they played like three songs that their fathers would have liked, you know, that oh, their father cool. loved to listen to. And um, two of the three um, father had passed away. And I got on my phone and I called my dad and um, my dad at times, I, you know, doesn't get that I'm, you know, getting sentimental. And uh, so I was like, hey, dad, this is, you know, Jesse Wayne. And he's, uh, you know, how you doing? And so I started talking and, and he, you know, shared that obviously I knew Willie Nelson. I knew Merle Haggard, um, Hank Williams and, you know, all these songs and it was a really lovely moment between my father and I and I've shared often on this podcast when Merle Haggard died um, I felt like I lost my dad again my dad died on 2011 and um, so when Haggard died it really did feel like I lost my dad again um, so I think first off how cool what a cool concept for a podcast and then secondly um, the randomness of it, right? That you, you pick an album and you don't know anything about it necessarily listening to it, sharing it with your dad and doing the research, um, just sounds like a really blast. So, um, oh, it is. It absolutely yeah. is. Has, and, and it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to, is there any albums that have, have stood out either positively or negatively with you so far on this uh, podcast journey? Well, so far, I mean, I'm, I'm, this one is very new. Like I, it, yeah. it's a bi-monthly podcast. Okay. Uh, so I'm only doing it twice a month just because there's a lot of, I have to put a lot of time and, you know, doing the research yes. and, and, you know, and I, I, I don't play the music from the records, obviously for copyright right. reasons, but I do, get some, you know, like music samples of, you know, just some royalty free music. And I put that behind some of the stuff that I talk about this and that. So I put a little more production time in this, okay. this podcast. So it's bi-monthly. Um, so I'm very new. I've only actually released three episodes. Okay. Um, but of the three episodes, uh, the, the record that would have stood out the, the most is actually the last episode that I did. And that was Pink Floyd Animals. Okay. Um, and it was because, and it was because of the conversation with my father. Uh, my mom uh, passed away several years ago. She passed away in 2004, um, and uh, they were divorced at the time when she passed away. But this whole thing, when when she passed away, you could I could just tell that my dad really loved her, even though they weren't together, and it like really affected him. But then. Anyway, when we were talking and I was getting these records and he was talking about Pink Floyd because that was one of the first albums that he ever had. And he said that my mom actually introduced him to that stuff. Like, <laughs> he was a big country guy. You know, he was listening to your Merle Haggard and your Willie Nelson and, uh, you know, Johnny Cash. And then my mom came along and she was into the heavy metal, like, and rock and roll and this weird music and she introduced it to him. So, um, had it not been for her coming along, he may have never even got into like rock and roll. That so. is a great story. And because the idea, the cliche, right, is that the male, uh, you know, would be the one who's into more of this heavy metal rock and roll. And to have that, you know, she brought him over that is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I thought. And like I said, I, I don't know a lot about their relationship as far as, you know, I mean, I was a kid and 
I know they had issues, obviously. They fought a lot and this and that. But it was it's good to see sometimes, you know, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily know what's going on. And, you know, and when you're an adult, you can you see things differently. You know, what I saw as a kid is definitely not what I see as an adult. And, you know, to see him talk about my mom, you know, I can just t- I could tell that he had feelings for her. And it was, it was really sweet because my dad is not necessarily a, he's not a guy that uh, necessarily shares feelings and you know thoughts and feelings and that kind of thing he's your your average hard-working american male and all about just working and being a man so yeah um i i bet that was interesting and to see his perspective um i I have my my mom is still alive and she has a wonderful uh, record collection. Um, she has a lot of original Fats Domino, um, some Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Marty Robbins, to say nothing of Johnny Cash and all these albums. And um, and there's always a lot of jokes about. Um, my mom is almost 80 and, um, you know, so she's this, okay, I don't know if you've seen The Sopranos, but, you know, when he goes, you want this lamp? Take it. It's a good, we, We're fine lamps-wise, Mom. You know, my mom has a little bit of that, like, giving things away and, and you know, put your name on it if you want it. And somebody... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and so somebody asked... Um, well, but your record, she goes, that's Jesse Wayne's. You're going to have to fight Jesse <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that's Jesse Wayne's. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and and it is, it is um, it, it just such a beautiful collection. And it's that's a neat way to do it. Um, so, Dan, you may have said, and I missed it, but what's your other podcast you do? Oh, my other podcast is a comedy-related podcast because uh, I'm a stand-up comedian, and it's called The Art of Bombing. And uh, I just I talk to comedians of all levels, and we talk about uh, pretty much you know bad shows, some of our worst shows, bombing on stage, and then we talk about what we learn from them and what we do to get better. So that's pretty much the concept of that podcast. That's pretty interesting, and. Um... I am. I'm a big fan of uh, Kevin Pollock's chat show, and um, and hearing people talk about. Uh, I also do. I like to listen to um, the writers, um, uh, the Nerdist writers panel, where they're talking about the creativity, and and I'm mm-hmm. I'm always think because I'm one of those guys that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm funny in the office, <laughs> you know, I, but yep. I have enough awareness that just because when I'm doing a small presentation and I make people laugh or, or, you know, in a meeting and I kind of break things up, the tension is a totally different skill set than actually coming up with a routine and, you know, making it work and getting on stage and talking. Um, so I think that would be a pretty interesting dialogue to have and, and you know, what worked and oh, what it, didn't work. Oh, and, and it is. I mean, I've learned a lot from doing the podcast just as far as comedy goes, you know, talking to other people. And it's because comedy is the one, that, you know, a lot of people don't realize that comedy can be kind of sad and lonely. You know, you're on the road a lot by yourself. And when you go and you mean the object is to try to, you know, when you go up and tell a joke and get in front of an audience, the, the whole point is to make them laugh. And when they don't, it's the most crushing feeling <laughs> a comic ever feels. And it's good to, you know, to see that other comics kind of go. We all kind of go through it. And uh, and it's cool to see how other comics deal with, you know, with that kind of situation. Um, and it's a different, it's a different angle. You know, a lot of comedy podcasts, they talk about, hey, when did you start doing comedy? What got you into comedy? You know, like the basic, and it's just the same 
questions over and over and pretty much the same, you know, stuff. And I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to make, you know, with this, I wanted, you know, we're going to talk comedy, but I want to talk about the dark side of comedy a little bit, you know, the side that people don't want to talk about, you know, and I've had comics straight up, you know, tell me they didn't want to be on it because they didn't want to talk about their failures. Um, but that was where, you know, that was the angle that I wanted to take with it was like, it's something different. We're still talking comedy and newer comics or people who are thinking about getting into comedy. It's a good, uh, podcast to listen to for that just because there's, there's so much useful information. You know, the, the beauty with comedy is there's no right way to do it to succeed. You know, like you can listen to thousands of interviews with different comedians and they'll, you know, they have a different story of how they got to where they are, you know? So. Is, um, you know, you shared that, you know, you, you learned a couple of things. Um, is there one thing that kind of stands out that you have picked up from talking to these, um, people that are, you know, trying to make people laugh for a living or, um, you know, what, is there a central theme you kind of see? Uh, well, yeah, the, the central theme that I kind of see from it is that you got to keep, you got to get back up. You know, when you, when, when you bomb, you got to go, you got to go to the next show and you got to keep going. You got to keep going forward. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, that's a common theme. Um, you know, there is this, you know, the cliche of getting back on the horse, um, and, 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 and understand that. Um, and I would think it'd be an interesting discussion of is, okay, was it, was it just a bad night or am I having bad material? Right. Yeah. And that's, yep. And that's the kind of stuff that we talk about, you know, because there are, you know, there's different situations that, uh, that can make a comedy show not good. You know, there's, there's elements that go into what making a good uh, comedy show. You need specific, you know, lighting is a key part. A stage is a key part. The way the tables are set up is a key part. The way the audience is set is a key part. Uh, the sound is a key part, you know, and then when you have all these different key parts to make a good comedy show, if one of them is not there, it can totally derail the, the show. Yeah, um, I think that's... And, you know, you also, you know, fighting through. Um, now, um, the, I, I um, what, it, what made, and I know this is a dumb question, but, you know, why did you decide to start not only doing the podcast, but actually going out and, you know, working as a comedian? And oh well, the what got me into stand up is that I mean comedy was it was something that I kind of always wanted to do. Right. And uh, I got married when I was nineteen, and then I just got a job, and next thing you know, we bought a house and just doing the you know the typical living the American dream kind of situation. Well, then we got divorced, and we we were married for twelve years, and so I was just at a point where. You know, at that time, I felt like I wasted my life. I mean, now I'm older and I realize that it wasn't a waste. She was very, you know, even though we didn't work out, she was a very important person in my life. But at the time, I was like, oh, man, I can't waste any more time. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be an old guy when I'm like 60 or 70 and look back in life and think about, wonder what would have happened if. You know, and I just decided, I was like, ah, I'm not going to wonder what if. I'm going to know what if. I'm going to know exactly what, how it's going to pan out, whether I fail or not. And it was like, at that moment, I just, like a switch flipped in my head. And I just decided the only way that I would ever fail at anything is by not trying. And, you know, and so I just, I decided I was going to try to do stand-up. And so I wrote, and then I did the open mic, and uh, I got some laughs. I mean, I didn't bomb, it wasn't like the best that I've ever done, but, I didn't bomb either, so it was a, it was a good right in the middle, and I got some laughs, and I immediately knew that that's 
what I wanted to do. Um, now, the podcast itself, what really inspired that is I did a show. It was a corporate show that I did, and I bombed. I mean, it was a bad show. There was a lot of elements that ended up working against me, but I had to do an hour for this private event, and I after that hour, I almost quit comedy. I was like, oh, my God, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so that's what kind of inspired the podcast was like, I had a really bad show and I was like, you know, that's an interesting thing. People don't necessarily talk about the bad shows. It's all about the good shows. It's all about, you know, how I got into comedy, how long I've been doing it, you know, that kind of stuff. Let's, let's do something different here. And so that's kind of why I did it that way. So a couple things, one, um, and just because for those of you who are my regular listeners and going, uh, not hearing a lot of boss talk, Jesse, what's going on? <laughs> um, the um, One of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs is a band called Better Days. And the song starts out with, well, my soul checked out missing as I sat listening to the hours and minutes ticking away. Yeah, just sitting around waiting for my life to begin while it was all just slipping away. I'm tired of waiting for tomorrow to come or that train to come roaring round the bend. I've got a new set of clothes, a pretty red rose, and a woman I can call my friend. These are better days. And... I, I I use this in my business discussion, and I I quote this, and I said yes. Um, I understand that in ways this is a love song, but also I think it's a very good point of enjoying the journey. That if you're waiting, well, when I get the kids out of the house, then I'll do one of my hobbies. Um, you know, once I um, you know, get out of, uh, once I finish college, then I'll have fun. When I, I get that promotion, then I'll be happy or whatever it is. And the idea is, you know, our life truly is what we do it and, and you aren't guaranteed till tomorrow. And, and I love your story of, um, not that, um, you know, necessarily, as you said, the, the marriage ended, but you can't call it a failure because, you know, she's a wonderful person. You're a great person. It just, you know, these things happen sometimes. But you sitting there and going, you know what? Today is the day, not tomorrow, not next week, today, um, is very inspiring and I think a good lesson for people to do. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest setbacks with with people and is that we we tend to make an excuse why to wait till tomorrow you know you want to do something and then it's it goes back to those lyrics and, and what you were talking about how you know we want to wait till the kids are in bed or you finish college or whatever and 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 then though you you keep pushing it off until eventually you just don't do it you know like you just keep I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then you don't ever do it, you know? And that was something when I was in my early twenties, that's exactly what I did. I was like, well, you know, I'm married. I need to get a job. I get a job, we buy a house, you know, we have cars. I'm like, I got all this stuff I want to do, but I'll wait, you know, till we're a little better financially, you know, or, you know, I'll wait till maybe we can afford it or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And I just kept pushing things off, and so I was that person. And yeah, and I think it's important that people just, you know, you only get one life. That's that's one of the greatest things that I've, I've, you know, kind of learned through my life because I've had, you know, I've had some crazy things happen to me as far as relationships go, and uh, and that's just something, you know, that kind of gained out of it is that I realized, you know, life's too short. And you can't waste it. You know, you got to go live life. Life is meant to be lived. So start living. Yes. And the other thing um, 
is uh, I run my day job is I, I run a technical support center and um, I try to talk to other departments and especially my team to say when something goes wrong, you know, let's do a um, let's look at it and try to figure out what happened, not pointing fingers, but trying to understand where we did. And um, I often tell my team, if you um, if I have two agents working and one of them guesses the right answer and the other one logically comes up with the wrong answer, give me the one who did it wrong every time because they're using their brain and they're using their mind to make the decision. And I can help change that how it's going versus just guessing what happened. And while I don't think you can totally dissect um, a standard routine, I, I do think it's pretty interesting that you can say, okay, um, what what went well and should I double down on that and what went poorly and maybe I should, um, you know, try to not have that happen again. Oh, absolutely. And you can do that. I mean, that's part of, that's part of what we talk about on the podcast, you know, is being able to be, a lot of it's being able to be self-aware, you know, and realizing that not all your material is going to hit with people or it's not going to be that good. And you have to be able to say, Hey, this joke sucks and either do whatever you need to do to fix it or stop telling it, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, writers talk a lot about, um, having to quote unquote, kill your babies. And, you know, you yep. hear script writers talk about, I absolutely love this joke. This was one of my favorite jokes and, but it was stopping the scene and I had to get rid of it to make the scene work. And, um, I could see the same concept of, yes, this is a brilliant joke, it's perfect, but it's not working in the set. And, it, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't help me build the next uh, thing. And yep. just like, um, you know, whether it's Springsteen or uh, Pearl Jam or other musicians that really don't do the same set list every night. Uh, you know, they they tell that story and it's a little different every night versus, and it's definitely for people who do the same set every night, is that is a story they build that um, they need to, you know, and, and so I think, I assume that you do a lot of that too. Like, would this work better? What should I do here? You know, and so... Um, if I tweak this around, um, the problem is, you know, you're doing this live and the pressure of this may be the only time they see you. And if you don't make a good um, impression, um, well, he wasn't very good. But the next time he's in town, let's try it again. You know, <laughs> maybe he'll be better. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And I. You know, and that's the thing. It it is it, you have to take risks, and and there, you know, I I know I have friends that have seen me from the beginning, and they see where I am now. And I've even I still have people that'll come to a show who've seen me when I first started, and they'll be like, "Wow, you are way better than when you started." You know, so and, and it's good. It's a good feeling to hear that because you know I'm obviously improving, and that's what you know. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what I want is to get as as good as I possibly can. And a lot of it is that you have to take risks, you have to try things, and it doesn't always pan off. But it goes back to, you know, you said that it may be the only time they see you, which is good. You, I may go do a show and bomb horrifically, and that's something that I think about is that, all right, well, that crowd may never see me again, so what do I care? Figure out what I did wrong, and then the next time I'm doing it for the next audience, I'll do better, you know, so there's kind of that thought process. Yeah, and I think uh, another really interesting thing to talk about, Dan, is, you know, are are you 
feel like you're having a bad show, but they don't even know it. Um, because oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, right? You're going, no, no, no. Um, it, I'm, I, I know. Um, another podcast I listen to is Pin Sunday School, and you know, Pin Gillette is hilarious, but he talks about that. You know, the audience has no idea that it's a bad. You know, it's not a good show. Him and Teller were, you know, just not clicking that night. Um, but they have no idea. They're, they're just happy with it. Um, and I also don't think, and maybe you tell me, Dan, do you, to a certain degree, don't you have to get out of your head to explore this so that, you know, because if you're too aware of the mechanics, uh, it doesn't flow very well, Right. Yeah, I mean, you do have to get out of your, I mean, a little bit. I mean, then you, you'll feel more natural and stuff, but it is kind of hard to get out of your, because I know exactly what, you know, they're talking about. I've had plenty of sets where I know in my head, because that's the thing about stand-up. You're, even though you're, you got to be in the moment, you also have to be two, you know, two or three moments ahead. You know, yeah. you got to be, while you're telling a joke, you got to have, you know, almost like a, you know, a line of, you know, what's next. It's almost like a domino kind of, you got to know what's going to fall next. And so, yeah, be in the moment, but you also have to think about that. And when you screw up, it's hard to, 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 you know, like for me, as an example, like when I screw up a joke, I'll know that I'll screw up a joke. Sometimes if I really screw it up bad, I'll call myself out in front of the audience. And then that kind of gets a laugh, you know, like I've had situations where I, said the punchline before the setup or I said the punchline in the setup backwards or whatever. And I was like, Oh, live comedy, man. I just screwed that up, but I'm a professional. So I'm going to own up to it and that kind of thing. And I'll get a chuckle. But then there's other times when I just know that things aren't, you know, like I might miss a joke. And then now because I missed that joke, I can't do this other joke because it's a callback to that joke. And it'll make no sense if I do this callback. And so you know, so you, you got to think about stuff like that. And like you said, the audience doesn't see this. They don't know this and they'd be excited and they're just happy. It was, you know, it was a good show. But in my head, I'm like, no, I messed up bad. I need to, you know, work on this. And I'm very hypercritical of myself too. So for me personally, it's hard to get out of my head because I'm like trying to be the very best that I possibly can. Do you tape your shows and then uh, do an evaluation afterwards? I tape them, at least the audio. Sometimes I've been trying to do video more, but um, sometimes I watch them. A lot of times I don't. Yeah. I, I just can't. I don't like hearing myself. <laughs> well, um, I, <laughs> but it, I do not listen to my know. podcasts. <laughs> Um, you know, I edit them, I put them together, and every once in a while, um, you know, when I download it, I'll just start it and kind of go through points. But, yeah, for the same reason, you know, I was in the conversation. I enjoyed that, and uh, so I don't need to hear it again. Um, so, yeah. interesting. Um, we... Um, what? Uh, how often do you perform, and how far away do you travel? Uh, I travel all over the country uh, for stand-up, and I mean, my it varies. The my schedule varies as far as performing. Um, I try to get out as much as I can, but it's there's a lot of comedians out there, so getting work isn't always as easy. Um, but I usually work a couple weekends a month, typically. Like, I actually just, uh, Sunday, I just got back. I did a, a run in Michigan, and I did three, you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, just a run of one-nighters at three different little towns. Um, Interesting. Do you, um, how much of the gig is getting gigs? I mean, how much of this A lot of job? it is. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine. I mean, yeah, comedy doesn't, it doesn't just, you know, it isn't just about performing stand-up. I mean, it, that's essentially the, the purpose, but there's a lot of business behind it. You know, you got to market yourself. you got to, 
you know, I got to try to, one of the things I've been trying to do is get a good video so I can start submitting maybe to some festivals, but also submitting to bookers and comedy clubs to try to get more work. You know, I need something updated. And so you spend a lot of time trying to get video and trying to get that kind of stuff and get it sent out send out emails to, you know, bookers and producers and things like that. So there's a lot of time that goes into it. You know, um, one of my early um, podcasts, I had an actual family member. Um, Ryan is the leader of the Night Owls. It's an Austin-based kind of dance band, um, old-style of um, similar to you know um, James Brown and and um, Al Green and, and Marvin Gaye and and it's it's an absolutely beautiful music and he talked about touring and he said by far the you know two hours he's on stage is the easiest part of his job <laughs> he, he oh, said absolutely. you know I, he said you know organizing trying to go he has a band so like whose turn is it to drive whose turn is it to you know how often do we stop for the restroom who sleeps in the van who gets the hotel room um and and he said you know he said by far the easiest thing is just when you know the music plays and he starts you know singing and so i i imagine that's a little bit of yours um you know, similar to that, right? Oh, absolutely. That that the the easy part is performing. It's all the rest of it that's the hard work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I have a friend who served um, eight years in the military, and he was a submarine technician. Um, he actually was someone who, um you know, monitor the nuclear weapons. And uh, it was the his shift, his duty station was the only place he could stand up straight on the submarine. And the reason I bring this up is he cannot stand any movie or TV show that is set in a submarine because all he can see is the things they're getting <laughs> wrong. Just, it, I mean, he cannot, um, he says, like, Hunt for Red October, he, or uh, you know Crimson Tide. He says I have no doubt the acting is brilliant in it. I I, I have no doubt about the story, but I'm going to sit there going that insignia shouldn't be there. You know the way they turn from uh, that 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 isn't where you would go to the head and stuff. So I'm dying up here. Other TV shows about stand up. Um, how is that kind of – do you roll your eyes or have some of them got it kind of close or not any well, of Some them? of them have got it pretty close to where it's you're, – you're just like, oh, my God, that's uh, too close to home. I, uh, I, I haven't seen them dying up here yet. I've heard it's really good. That one is a little – off just because it's more i mean that's how it was back then i mean that's that's about you know kind of back in the the 70s and 80s and stuff and it's hit that you know time that that time frame it's did a very good job of kind of mimicking how it was um current a current one though that's kind of more current would be like crashing and crashing has did a really good job with what it's like trying to be, especially when you're 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 trying to be an up and coming stand up comic. Yeah, um, I know the um, I've I've heard the um, the guy starring in it was on uh, once again Pendulettes, and you know because um, they had the discussion about you know Pin being an atheist and and the guy who runs this yep. not. And it was a pretty interesting discussion. So I was just curious because yeah, I actually I, just heard. Uh, I listened to it. so the 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 person that does the show. His name is uh, Pete Holmes. Right. He has a podcast too. He has his own podcast. And Penn was just. I just listened to their episode here just a couple days a couple days ago. Actually, it's really good. Yeah, it was. I I, I really liked. Um, 
I liked Pete Holmes, and I, I kind of thought the the way he was discussing it was really interesting. And um, so, okay, that's that's kind of good to know. Um, God, this is went on a whole different tangent than I thought we would, but that's this has been yeah. That's the beauty of a podcast. Um, so one of the reasons we got to this is um, on the Facebook page you mentioned that coming up on your discussion was a Bruce Springsteen album. And you shared yep. before we hit record. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what the album was and any initial thoughts? Well, I am uh, the next episode of my Father's Records podcast is actually going to feature Bruce Springsteen's The River album. And uh, I actually, like I said, just before we start, just before I called you, as I was dialing you, the side two was just finishing. Um, so I, I've listened to, and it's a two-disc album, so I still have another disc to, to, to listen to. Um, but so far, I've really enjoyed it. I, it was nice. I just went up in my little, my space that I have, where I you know, record my podcast, but I also listen to, it's like my little nerd cave i guess you could say and i was just chilling on the, the recliner with my my little dog in my lap and just listening to the music and uh so far i liked it you know i mean i've always liked bruce springsteen but like i said i'm not i've never been a big fanboy of any necessarily particular person to where you know you hear a single and you're like oh that's a great song but i haven't been like oh i want to listen to the whole album and that's kind of what i'm doing here so so far I've really enjoyed it. So uh, I will have to definitely – I'm going to check out other episodes of the podcast, but I definitely will check out this one. Do you go song-by-song song critiqued or more just a feeling or overall discussion of the album? It's more of an overall discussion and just kind of a feeling because really what I really concentrate more so on are like getting facts about the album from like kind of like both uh, – from a historical point of view and a collector's point of view. So like I get the, the, the you know, the, the important information, like when was it released? Who released it? You know, who was in the band or who, you know, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, I also try to, you know, and I'm still, because I'm fairly new, I'm still trying to get my format down and figure out where I'm kind of going. But, you know, I try to get like, you know, uh, what what the album's valued at that kind of stuff that that a collector can kind of oh that's interesting but then on the historical point of view i you know i talk about you know where it was recorded or if there's an interesting story about one of the the tracks or 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 something to that effect you know um and then sometimes that takes you off into a, a different tangent i guess and, I, and it's kind of cool because with doing that, like I learned, uh, so the first episode that I did of this was uh, I did uh, Wings, Wings Over America. Uh, and doing the research from that, I learned who did their album cover, their album artwork. Well, then it turned out when I was doing the Pink Floyd one, which is only a couple episodes later, they had the same company did their album com co uh, covers. And the name of the company is slipping my mind right now, but they actually did a lot of fans in the UK. They did a lot of the artwork, album artwork. But so it's stuff like that that's really cool. That's yeah, that's very cool. Um, I, I will look forward to it. Um, if you um, need a guest host to talk about the river, I'll throw it out there. I'd be glad to join you. Um, from a Springsteen perspective, um, you know, he had put out a box set um, in, um, you know, and they kind of, he, he put out um, in 2015, December 4th, a box set that celebrated the 35th anniversary of the river. And then, oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then he did a tour of all of 2000. For a lot of 2016, um, he toured and 
it's the it's the tour that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, they were going to put out the box set. They had some unreleased discs. Um, the River originally was supposed to be a single album, and uh, then they decided no, and Bruce changed it. And so on this box set is the original that copy of what the single would have been, the single disc, which is not not every song. Um, like they took some songs off that would have been the single, and they didn't make the double. They changed it. But he, oh wow, yeah. So he toured and he played the river from f- from the frontwards to backwards. I mean, he did the whole show, and then he kind of did another kind of mini greatest hits live after he finished the river. So he played the river every night and told a lot of stories. And it's, um, it was a really cool tour, um, to, because there are songs that he doesn't necessarily, you know, play a lot. And Independence Day is one of the songs that, um, it was about his relationship with his father. And, um, so, you know, he got to play that and it was done. So, um, I think you'll... I think you're going to really enjoy doing the research on it and talking about it. And like I said, if you ever need um, a guest to join you and talk, I, I'd love to do it and, and kind of give you a different perspective as, you know, a slightly Springsteen-obsessed guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was actually – I'm going to probably take this this conversation and at least parts of it yes. and put it in that episode too, yes. you know. Um, Absolutely. Because, you know, you know that's – you know, kind of what yeah. and, my and, thought was with it because I'm recording too. So yeah, and um, <laughs> and so the reason we caught the tour that wasn't supposed to happen, um, the members of the E Street Band all had gigs planned, and so they released the box set, you know, on December fourth, and um, they said at the time um, they were going to do just a few shows in the New York area to kind of promote the box set. And they were on Saturday Night Live for the Christmas show. And then, um, and someone, and, you know, this is partly legend and partly true. Well, if we're going to do three or four shows, shouldn't we just kind of do a miniature tour? So then they did 15 or 16 shows. And then, well, we're having so much fun, um, why don't we do more shows? And then like, well, why don't we just go to Europe? So this ended up being like a year tour that they wow. truly had never planned to have. So um, it, it's uh, – so yeah, that's kind of um, – so that's why we fans kind of all laugh about it, that it's the you know the tour that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, and so he uh, did it pretty cool. Um, and then that's awesome too, because that just goes to show you uh, what can grow out of love. You know what I mean? Like yes. they they decide they released it as a box set for an anniversary. Decided to do a couple gigs, and they all loved playing so much that they just kept adding more dates, and then eventually it turned into this, like you said, the tour that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, and so just a really uh, cool thing. Yeah, a lot of great stories. I, I'm not going to spoil any more. Um, I'll let you do your research, but, you know, uh, the river is based on his um, older sister. Um, There are, um, you know, um, songs that what he said is the river was him trying to capture on an album the feel of a Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band concert. And so that's why there's dips and you know, in different songs and different paces and different energy. So um, I, th- I think you'll enjoy the second half, and and this will be a fun discussion for you to have. So cool. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. All right. So, um, Dan, um, any final thoughts or any last things you want to uh, plug? Uh, I guess. Just, uh, yeah, if you want to check out my podcast, they're available wherever you get podcasts, but Stitcher, TuneIn, 
uh, iTunes, so on. My website, you can just go there, too. That'd probably be the easiest. My website is danbooblets.com. And then I would say, uh, if you like either of the podcasts, follow them on Twitter. I, uh, my father's record is the Twitter handle. I couldn't do records. There wasn't enough characters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad about that. <laughs> so it's my father's record on Twitter. And then uh, Art of Bombing Pod is the Twitter for the other one. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, very nice. Uh, yes, and please go to um, iTunes or whatever is your favorite podcast player. Subscribe. Um, please rank, rate, and review the podcast. It truly does help us. There's this whole behind-the-scenes metric mathematical thing that helps people find podcasts so um yes uh please do that um this was a blast thank you a lot um yeah you know, thank you for having me this was a good time yeah well you know that's that's what we try to do um <laughs> you know i i i am gonna end with um now a, a lot a life of leisure and pirate's treasure don't make much for tragedy but it's a sad man, my friend, who's living in his own skin and can't stand the company. Every fool's got a reason for feeling sorry for himself and turning his heart to stone. Tonight, this fool's halfway to heaven and just a mile out of hell, and I feel like I'm coming home. These are better days. Um, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Dan. And we'll talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.